Hello, hello, and we are back. It is your host, Devon Taylor, a.k.a. underscore Daddy Disco on Twitter and Instagram, and this is the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club. We are about to pick up talking about the rest of the Paranormal Activity franchise with Jerry and Caitlin. We're not going to do any more intro stuff, no bullshit. We're just going to go ahead and get right back into it, talking about Paranormal Activity 3. Enjoy the rest of the episode, guys. Paranormal Activity 3, released in 2011, directed by Henry Eust and Ariel Shulman. Um, They are the only duo to direct multiple films for the franchise. They directed three and four. Um, This was their first horror film. Uh, They had done a documentary um, prior to this. Uh, Paranormal Activity 3 is, now it is handled solely by Christopher Landon. It was a team of three writers, but I still think he probably did the most work because I, 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 I think Christopher Landon is the one like probably responsible for, you know, the cohesion and navigating that even when he is working like with other screenwriters. And this is our period piece entry for the Paranormal Activity franchise. Um, it is uh, set in 1988, which is where we finally get to learn about the dark shit that happened in Katie and Christie's past that they've been talking about for two movies. Um, Paranormal Activity 3, I would say, is debatably the fan favorite, maybe. Um, may, uh, we'll, get to our, we'll get to our personal rankings of the franchise at the end of the episode. But I think the consensus is, like, this is... A fan favorite. It's better than any third film has any right to be. Like for a franchise to like make that big of a step on its third film is pretty huge. So this one centers on young Katie and Christy, their mom Julie, and their hot boyfriend and her hot boyfriend Dennis. Ooh, I I like Dennis a lot. I he might be one of my favorite characters of the franchise. He's just a an all around good guy and just trying to help these girls out you know i appreciate him for it um but yeah paranormal activity 3 is a a really really good one and we just see the events unfold of katie and christie's hauntings and where it started uh jerry how do you how did you feel about paranormal activity 3 this is actually my favorite entry in the entire franchise like i i just out of every single paranormal activity film, a three is the one I, I find myself revisiting the most for so many reasons. First of all, uh, the director's previous film, Catfish, I think is such a great documentary. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a really good look at like kind of the dangers of social media and people pretending to be something they're not. And I think that both of those filmmakers, Henry and Ariel, having had such a background in documentary filmmaking, I think that works really good for found footage films. So I think they were really good choices. That mm-hmm. and it's it's really cool to see. I'm every character in three you love. Like I, I really can't think of a single character sure. that I just dislike in this film. True. You know, and I, Dennis is that kind of stepdad who is trying so hard to keep the family's head above water. You know, he's the guy that like takes every job he can with within his profession, trying to you know, and also tries to be there for the kids. You know, like, like I think this is the film where you relate to the characters the most because they're all really lovable characters. And it's also, I think, one of the scariest films. I mean, the last, 
the last 20 minutes of this film, I think, is terrifying to me. Yeah, I would I would agree on both fronts. It is, yeah, like, now that you said it, I can't think of a character I don't like. Like, I love uh, Dennis's friend. He's a great side character. Julie, the mom, is really great as well. Um, both child actors that they had playing Christy and Katie were fantastic. Like, I mean, yeah, the, the character stuff is on point, and yes, um, I will. I can definitively say that this is the scariest of the franchise for me. Um, just in, um, it, I mean, it's the way that they kind of came up with, like, getting creative with the filming of this one. Because, two, the, it wasn't as, like, visually interesting as most of the other franchise, I'd say, maybe. And so, like, with this one, bringing in, like, the oscillating fan cam, you know, to have some, like, just, like, really, really, like, this has the best scares, um, just, like, and, and it's, like, but, like, thoroughly spread out, too, because things happen pretty early, you know, we start seeing things, but we get, we get the backstory stuff, uh, we get introduced to Grandma Lois, who is a central figure in the franchise, um, so we have Grandma Lois in the home video at the birthday party. She's a little bit odd, but, you know, she's just being a grandma. But then this is where we see uh, Christy talking to, um, Christy is talking to Toby under the trampoline. This is the first time we hear of Toby when they ask her who she was talking to. Um, the little girl that plays Christy, so fucking adorable and such a great little actress. Like, oh man, she was so good in this. Like, uh, like, you know, movies can, you know, make or break on a child acting performance sometimes. And, uh, I will say Christy, um, the little girl that plays Christy is absolutely like really, really good in this one. Yeah, I agree. Especially when she's talking to Toby. Uh, I don't know how they were able to like capture that because that felt so realistic, uh, like of a kid talking to their imaginary friend and the, the conversation felt so real on her end and so serious. Yeah, she just did a great job. Yeah. I also think like this is this is where we start getting uh, a, what a lot of people would consider gimmicks, but I don't. You know, the oscillating fan, as you mentioned, or in the fourth one, the Xbox Connect or, yeah. you know, like the, the, yes. the special video camera in Ghost Dimension. This is the first film where we get kind of these outside-the-box approaches, yep. and I think it worked so well for this movie. Yeah, I, I would agree 100%, and, and I wouldn't call it a gimmick because it, it it's, I mean, it, it's hard because, I mean, yeah, I guess it could be in gimmick territory, but at the same time, it's like kind of a damned if I do, damned if I don't situation because if you don't, like, you know, come up with these creative things to introduce each one, then how do you keep the films fresh, you know? So, so, I mean, I, I love all the, like, little additions. Like, the, I mean, the Xbox Connect one seemed kind of odd because it kind of seemed like, like advertising, you know, more than... <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I guess I could see where that one might be called a gimmick, but, like, the oscillating fan in this one, um, I, I, I don't... I wouldn't say so. Or, or even the ghost camera stuff, which I don't love, but we'll get to that. Um... But yeah, we we get just uh we get a lot of really solid moments in this one. Um, definitely have to shout out one of the best scenes in the in the film for many reasons is um, when we have uh, Dennis and Julie having their sexy stoner times. They're uh, they're they're smoking a joint together and eating snacks and just laughing and 
we get just like, you know, them being super cute together. You can tell they really care about each other. And, and then they, they decide like, Ooh, yeah, why don't we just go ahead and make the little sex tape? And it's just, it's just great. Like, it's just a nice moment to have. We, we see them together. We see their dynamic. They're cute. They're fun. And it, it, and you just buy into it. But then it's like followed up by the experience in earthquake. And then when the camera tilts over, we see our first like little uh, cool little Toby thing with the dust falling on his outline, which is like the inciting thing that Dennis uh, sees to, you know, investigate further. Yeah, I think oh, I, I, this movie had so good. many of those memorable moments. Sorry, Jerry. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that, like, that's just one of many. I feel like this movie does a really good job. And uh, I, I have a hard time picking between the first one and this third one. out Before the rewatch, I would have said number one was my fave. But now, I don't know. I'm sort of debating between three and one. Um, but I feel like this movie does an amazing job of having these really solid moments. And some even longer than the first one. Like the babysitter scene and the Bloody Mary scene last so long and so painfully long almost um but yeah even this this brief moment is something it's just so memorable yeah like it, it, it lots of lots of like just like really great small moments like you know it's like we get that and then like even after we get like the first like little toy thing then we get like a fun jump scare where it shows julie fucking with them you know and this is where dennis and uh randy are like you know like reviewing the footage and getting scared so it's like you know even if that one is a cheap jump scare quote-unquote it's also just a funny character moment because it's like oh julie and dennis just like have this like playful relationship between them so even if it is a cheap jump scare it's still a good character moment still you know well that and this is the film this is the entry that really builds on the mythology in a good way you know, four had this really hokey tagline of like, you know, everything led to this kind of thing. And then you watch it and you're like, no, not at all. Like the shit that led to this movie. Whereas three, you find out like an explanation for almost everything that you've seen prior. And it works like it, it leaves you almost like with your mouth open going, what the hell? That is so awesome. Like, I think this is the pinnacle of what makes Paranormal Activity, the franchise, work. You know, you have these very personal films like the first one, kind of, uh, you know, contained films. And you have three that explains everything in a way that doesn't leave you kind of bummed out, but it leaves you wanting more in the best of ways. Yeah, like, they, they because again, we, we spent two movies, you know, hearing about what happened in their past. They, they keep mentioning it, but the adults, you know, refuse to talk to it, but it was also because, like, they partially couldn't remember. So it's like, it just, like, we had two movies of building this little mystery to kind of unfold that is, like, you know, expanding upon the, the universe in general. Because, so it's like, I mean, they are... Th this has, like, I would say, like, the most, like, scare scenes in it, too, because, like, these girls are, like incessantly haunted like it's not like i mean they are like you know obviously being preyed upon so it's in and then we kind of um we find like the pictures of the coven as well so then we start you know planting the seeds for that which is like the other like you know big subplot of the the franchise and you know they didn't come out right and like show too much of it you know up until the end but like you know, kind of, they didn't explain it yet still. We were still kind of learning stuff. 
Um, but it's like, you know, and Dennis is, you know, the first, you know, of the male protagonists that like, you know, he, his, his persistence isn't like, you know, annoying or anything. Like he, he is like, he, he doesn't do anything like too, too crazy or anything to like, you know, make matters worse. Like he had his reasons and like kind of, you know, also it made more sense because he was like a video person as well, which worked out, you know, really well for just like the film in general. But, um, you know, we have other great scares like the, the hair pulling scene is a uh, really good one. Um, the uh, whenever they, uh, you know, drop the drop the ceiling uh, the, 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 in the kitchen. Like, I want to know how they did that scene. Like I was racking my brain watching. I was like, how'd they do it? Uh, I don't know if it might've been like a magnet situation or filming something upside down. I was, I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out, but it's such a cool scene though. Yeah. I, I, oh yeah. There's so many moments that were just horrifying, but yeah, that was, that scene's so awesome. And I know they try to recreate it a little bit. Number four with the knife. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I love this one so much. Cause I, even watching it this time, I knew when things were going to happen. I knew what was going to happen and it almost made it worse. Just, I don't know. I'm thinking of the kitchen scene cause I could see all the things up on the ceiling and just waiting for them to fall was an awful feeling. Yeah. Like no the movie magic. You gotta love it. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it, I think three is like the epitome of tension. Like you're expect because of seeing the first two films, you're expecting something to happen. But what three does so confidently is it, it kind of allows you as a viewer to kind of be on the edge of your seat the entire time. Like when you think something's going to happen, it doesn't. And when you kind of like begin to feel that kind of ease, you know, you're like, okay, nothing's going to happen. I'm okay. Then it happens and it makes you like jump. It, it, like this is easily, I think the best film in the entire series. Yeah. 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 Like the, this one is aware of how you watch these films now. Like you said, like it, you know, knows that we know kind of some of the, the tricks and trades and stuff. And yeah, and they very much like subvert it in different ways. And like, again, like I love the oscillating fan because it's like your, your, your train, your brain is trained and you don't even realize it, but you're like kind of trained to know the timing on how long each like pan's going to be, you know? So then you're like, okay, on this time around is going to be the scare. And then it doesn't happen. And then it's like, okay, on this time and it still doesn't happen. Then it's like, okay, nothing's going to happen. And then it does. So like, you know, it, it's very aware of how we watch the movie. So, but yeah, but then once we get to this final act though, we get to this final act, you know, um, uh, they we end up going to we go to grandma lois's because they're convinced that it's the house that's haunted but we know because we already know from pa one and two your house isn't haunted you're haunted so it follows them to grandma lois's which is where it wanted them to go anyways because grandma lois is a witch she's in a in a demon worshiping coven they do they are the ones that um that um, make deals with the demon for firstborn children and stuff. Um, but obviously, we don't know how the girls play into this, you know. So it's like, okay, because we know that they're looking for a baby boy. So it's like, okay, where do the girls fit into this? And 
we kind of so we get a little bit of that with this finale where Dennis is trying to save the girls. Um, we have a uh, possess we have possessed little Katie running around. So <laughs> I love that we have at some point adult possessed Katie, but then we have a uh, baby possessed Katie as well, and uh, she's running around uh, causing mayhem. And then um, Julie is um, levitated at the top of the stairs and thrown at Dennis, which is, like, really fun, which kills Julie. Um, and Julie was a... It's, it's weird, because, like, they described her in the first two films, and you, like, kind of think, like... They, like, kind of describe her as, like, she was, like, more crazy or unhinged, and I thought she was going to be the one that had the connection to the cult, you know? But then we obviously find out it's the grandma instead. So, I mean, I guess that was, like, kind of a misdirect. But, um... But a uh, super effective death, though. Like, it was just, like, the image of Julie floating at the top of the stairs is just, like, a really, like, great image from the franchise. Well, it's, it's I think this film's also the first one in the series where just me, like, as a viewer, I felt kind of heartbroken by a lot of the deaths. Like, Mika, yeah. like, it bummed me out, but at the same time, it's like, oh, it's just Mika. You know, it's cool. You know, <laughs> most of the characters in the, the second one. But this is the one, like, when Julie dies and when Dennis dies, you're like, well, damn, that sucks. You know, it serves the story, but it's the first one, I think, that, like, kind of tears at your heartstrings a bit. Yeah, yeah. All the deaths matter because they made the characters matter, you know? Like, even even Randy dying, you're just like, damn, like, Randy was a cool guy. Like, you're just like, it even sucks when he dies. So, yeah, like, all of the, the deaths, like, hit a little bit harder, um, but also just, like, very we get some very just like visually interesting ones as well um i'd say dennis getting his back broken like snap backwards is um one of the most you know visually interesting kills in the franchise because you know most of them are neck snaps so that one toby put a little extra something something on it you know because dennis deserved it because I, dennis deserved exactly no totally i i also think that it really speaks on how talented uh chris landon is as a writer because i think one of his strongest points of just any of his writing is how he can make you care about characters i mean one of my favorite things about the first happy death day was the fact that at the beginning of that film you can't stand the lead character because she's kind of a dick you know and as the film goes on you kind of like you know you you start to feel for the character and by the end of the first happy death day you care about that character i think chris landon's really good at writing characters that you actually like legitimately care about yeah that is i would say that is definitely his strength i mean you see what he's done with uh happy death day and happy death day 2 i haven't seen freaky yet but i can tell that it is also like a very like character driven movie so yeah he he very much is um a talented writer in that respect um and i like that you know they gave him sole duties on this one to uh get to you know connect everything together um and he put the puzzle together like so so fantastically so the film ends with uh dennis and julie are both dead uh grandma lois comes around uh well grandma lois is like kind of like influenced by toby and i guess does the the back breaking thing i don't i can't tell if it's grandma lois breaking his back or if it she's just like standing there and knows that toby's doing it either way um fun scene and then it ends with her taking the girls upstairs and says, let's get ready as she walks them up the stairs and uh, we go to the credits. So it's like, OK, so now we know Katie and Chrissy were like getting like brainwashed or some shit, you know, 
um, after and after um, their parents die, and then you know they were raised by Grandma Lois for the rest of the time, um, which I couldn't remember if they had mentioned that in the first two films that like they were actually raised by their grandma for most of their life. I don't remember them mentioning it, but either way, it works. It's fine. It's a great ending. Um, absolutely one of the best of the franchise. So now we're gonna come back to the future for Paranormal Activity Four. And Paranormal Activity Four coming out again um, the very next year. Um, it came out, was released in 2012, directed by uh, Houston Shulman once again. Um, it was also Christopher Landon helming uh, the screenplay duties himself, but there is a story credit for uh, Chad Feehan, whoever that is. And um, this film is set in 2011, so this is five years after the events of Paranormal Activities 1 and 2, which I love. I love that we had to, you know, to do this, like, little step back in time and explain stuff in the franchise. I love at that same time, we're still thinking about the end of 2, where Katie walks off with Hunter. So, we had to wait a whole movie to find out the answer to that cliffhanger. So, I thought that was just kind of cool in the, like, formatting of the franchise, I guess. Um, This one, um, we have, so, we have this other family... It is um, Christy, uh, no, not Christy, um, Alex. Alex and Ben are the, he, no, god damn it. See, that's what sucks about Paranormal Activity 4 is um, the parents are the worst part of this film because I can't even remember who they are. Uh, it's not important. Uh, the parents really aren't important here. It is the Nelson family and uh, Catherine Newton plays Alex Nelson. Catherine Newton is the star of Freaky. Directed by Christopher Landon. So nice that they maintain their relationship after uh, doing this film. Um, you have uh, Matt Shively as her friend Ben, who I really like. He's just a really funny actor when he pops up into things. And um, she has a little brother named Wyatt that um, she has. Uh, he's like, you know, five or six-ish. And um, after one of their neighbors... Um, has goes into the hospital with an illness. Their weird son, um, Robbie, has to come live with them for a little bit. And once Robbie shows up, things start happening in the house. Spooky, spooky. Um, so this one is another kind of just like kind of straightforward, um, straightforward like haunted house film. This one doesn't have, like, you know, too many of the subgenre things, except that this one is, like, the first one, like, uh, now we're focusing on a teenage protagonist. So, like, you know, we've had the one that focused on, like, really all the main protagonists have been the adults, because even in the third one, we're mainly focusing on Dennis. So this one is actually focused on the kids, which I think is um, a plus for this film. Um, Paranormal Activity 4, I don't love it. It's not definitely not in the top tier. At the same time, it's not bad either because it has some really good scares in it. It has some really good scares and some, you know, fun final girl vibes uh, from Alex. And, um, you know, and this mystery of, you know, oh, is Robbie Hunter actually? 
but then we get some, of course, misdirect. Um, how do you guys feel about PA4? Yeah, I feel pretty similarly. Like, it's fine. It's not one of the best, <laughs> um, but it's pretty good. I I like, too, this, the, the fact that this one is in 2011. It's, uh, I mean, yeah, we have the Kinect, um, but we also have like some sort of Skype or some sort of video conferencing mm -hmm. laptop recording. Uh, so we're getting into sort of a new tech direction, which is pretty fun. Um, I think host did a really good job with using zoom um, this year, but I think um, in, in paranormal four, we sort of are starting to get into that realm of like being on a video conferencing call and you not being able to see behind you, but the person you're talking to yeah. being able to see behind you, which is a really cool thing. Um, I don't think they used it as much as they could have, as much as I wish they used it in Paranormal Activity 4, but it's pretty neat to see it being used a little bit already. I think for me, this is probably my least favorite of the series, but even, I mean, that said, I think it's still pretty entertaining. I think the reason that it it's my least favorite is because you have such a strong entry with the previous film, you know, three. Yeah. It, it explains so much. And like I said earlier, fourth film was marketed as like, oh, you know, everything's going to be explained. Nothing really is in this movie. Like you get so many different kind of misdirects like, oh, no, you know, it, it's Robbie Hunter. And then you find out later, you know, that why it's actually Hunter that he was adopted. And I, I think that this is. For, what four is, I think, is uh, Landon and the directors kind of figuring out, like, okay, we have a strong third film. Where do we go from here? And it feels like they kind of didn't know where they wanted to go with this film. It's entertaining as hell. But that said, I, I feel like with how high the third film set up the franchise, I feel like four was, like, inevitably always going to be somewhat of a letdown after the third one. Yeah, like, it, it is, I'd say, probably the biggest, like, gap in quality between, like, films. Because, yeah, like, three, we were soaring, like, we were hyped up, like, because, like, we're like, okay, now we know the backstory, let's get back to the present or the future and, like, find out what's going on. So, like, the, there was, yeah, probably a lot more hype going into this one, but at the same time, um, this is the fourth entry of the series, so it probably was already kind of losing fans by that you know, in that realm. And, and so it, it might've lost a little steam for a little bit. And, um, it, it did interesting stuff as far as like the, the overall story. Cause I don't want to spend too much time talking about this one. It, it is what it is, you know? And, um, but with the idea of like, yeah, with this Robbie Wyatt, uh, mystery yeah. going on, um, I, I do think um, I love the little kid that plays Robbie, though. Like, he is suitably creepy and oh, just, like, yeah. awkward. His, uh, his, his spe any kid that comes to your house with a special fork, <laughs> you should maybe yep. be concerned. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I forgot about that fork. I wish they did something with I that fork. I do, too. That's, I was <laughs> thinking the exact same thing. I was like, you know what? I was like, there was nothing special. Like, I wish they would have had, like, a haunted fork yeah. scene. Yeah, it would have <laughs> been silly, but, I mean, you guys put the idea in yeah. our head. So like, so like, yeah, <laughs> I, I actually am disappointed. There was no haunted fork scene. There totally should have yeah. been. But um, what the film did have, though, it had, you know, it has some j solid scare scenes, you know, with 
the connect, even though it does feel gimmicky, it's interesting. Like just like the visual aspect of it was like kind of interesting. Gave um, you know, reminded you you are watching a movie, I guess, which might also take some other people out of it when you like kind of see something of style in a found footage film. But um, but it worked, and I really liked um our main character. But so we learn about the stages of possession. So now, okay, we know that the cult makes deals with demons for the firstborn sons, okay? So between Wyatt and Robbie, we have a firstborn son, whoever it, whoever may be Hunter, but of course it is, um, it is Wyatt through a, an adoption snafu of some sort. And, um, so yeah, they, yeah, they, this, this was one of the things, one of the only movies I felt like while watching it that like, wow, if I had watched this just cold or like a year after watching the third one, I would have had very little idea of what's going on with Robbie and Wyatt, especially when Katie's like, wow, you look so much like your sister. I, I would not have remembered yeah. enough to handle what was going on in this movie. I think it also doesn't help that like it we don't have more of Katie in the film cuz like when we keep hearing about this kid's mom, we know like I mean, I know that they were trying to keep that a mystery too, I guess that like aha, uh-huh, the mom was Katie, but it's like we know it's Katie. So just like give us more Katie, you know, like again, she is like the backbone of the franchise, so like the fact that we didn't get more of Katie in this one, um, kind of like I think brought it down as far as like the like world building stuff, but so we learn that there's like three stages of possession um, that include signs of prenatural abilities. Hold that thought for the next movie, and then there's affirmation, and then there's some virgin blood shit that they talk about, and so it's like okay, so we gotta wait until the the human kid the the male born is ready for Toby, um, and that's pretty much like yeah the the whole thing is the the mystery of you know Wyatt Robbie and then Katie finally shows back up she snaps some necks, <laughs> and then um, we get a shot of the uh, Coven army, which um, which we didn't even I didn't mention um, from PA three the the shots that we do get of uh the the first views of the coven members in pa3 whenever they're like um chasing dennis around in the dark outside is uh really fun an idea that we will see pop up multiple times um but yeah so um we see more of the we see like okay now we see there is like an army of this coven it's this is a, a, a very large scope, which I find interesting because that raises a lot of questions like, OK, how many deals is Toby making? You know, like like Toby's a busy boy. I mean, he's been haunting a f- one family for a month at a time. Where, where does he have the uh, I'm not even going to ask, you know, but uh, but we do get the 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 army coven. Um, Jerry, did you have any other thoughts on PA4? Because we're just going to like get into the next one this one it's it's a shoulder shrug but you know it is you know this one like i hate to say let down because like i said at the beginning of this i love every single entry but i think this is the one that kind of takes a step back instead of forward it has fun things about it like i think the connect thing as gimmicky as it feels is kind of interesting visually i i love the bathtub scene because it just you know harkens back to like a nightmare on elm street i think is really cool but aside from that like 
they had an opportunity to kind of like further build on the mythology. And I feel like it was somewhat of a step back, you know, with, with as little Katie as is in the film, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I mean, in ghost dimension, I don't think she's in the film once, which is weird, but like yeah. in four, in four, like, you know, and I hate to keep being the dead horse, but the fact that they're like, everything's going to be explained. Not a goddamn thing is explained <laughs> in this movie, you know, like it, it's just sidetrack. I think episode, uh, or, or entry in the franchise but i mean it, it's cool you know I, i'd say it's probably at my bottom but it's still pretty entertaining i mean yeah it's that's the thing like it's very entertaining and watchable it's not like you're not gonna like have a bad time watching the film by any means like it's you you can sit you can watch it but it's yeah like i think i wonder if there were just like other ideas that they had in mind and then like something changed like what if they had more plans for katie but then like something with her schedule came up or something and they had to rework it or they didn't have like the budget for a different idea or i don't know i just feel like they they yeah were kind of just neandering around from that one like oh shit three was like really really good we didn't know if like that was gonna tank the franchise or not but that was like real good now what so yeah they were kind of just like eh, and then it, it was what it was. We get uh, some cool coven shots. Um, I will say the um, I do absolutely love the uh, scene of Alex levitating um, whenever in her bed and uh, Robbie's just like standing there like whispering to himself and shit. That, that, that's a pretty cool scene. Very visually interesting. So I will give it I will give it that. We'll, we'll end it on a high note on that shot. <laughs> or even when Robbie crawls into bed with her was very creepy. Oh yeah, even that by itself <laughs> was creepy alone. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Again, if there is another like big positive from this one, I will definitely say uh, Robbie because he he yeah. was just very funny and awkward and um, you know cre- like little girls are creepy, but like little boys are like real creepy. <laughs> Paranormal Activity 5, The Marked Ones. This is the one I'm most excited to talk about. It, I will say 3 is objectively the better film. It's the best film. But 5, for like my personal preferences, is like more fun to watch. Because, guys, this is the superhero fucking movie of the Paranormal Activity franchise. I'm, well, super villain rather. It's a super villain coming of age movie in the Paranormal Activity franchise. Um, this is directed by Christopher Landon. He wrote and directed this one, so he ha- finally has full control. And they say, "Okay, uh, four, eh, uh, do a side thing, and we'll see how it turns out." So this is called a cousin film. Or I would say it's like a connector film, even, because, I mean, really, it pulls everything, like, back in. Like, this movie has it all. It has super demon superpowers. It has the, the cult stuff. It has possession. It has time travel. This is where we, I mean, this movie has everything in it. This is the first, um... A different uh, Paramount logo. They did a cool, glitchy Paramount logo at the beginning. First time they were doing that. 
Um, this was also the first time they did not release the movie the next year. They did take a year. This was uh, released in 2014, two years after Paranormal Activity 4. Because, again, they're probably trying to scramble to figure out what they're going to do now. So, in the meantime, we have this cousin film um, it's set in a Latino community. This is the first time we have a, a teenage male lead. Um, he is, like, I mean, really the first, like, main male protagonist. Because even when Dennis and Mika are, like, main characters, they're still co-leads. This is, like, and, um, and it's the first, like, you know, Latino lead in the franchise as well. So I, I think that is fun. We open up with uh, some really great family stuff. Um, uh, one thing that I love about this film and it kind of adds more later in the film, but we see in the very beginning where he, uh, our protagonist, Jesse, he just graduated, and he's having a party with his family, and when they speak Spanish in the film, they don't subtitle it on purpose because they, wa- they were marketing this film to a Latino audience. I don't really know why, but they just kind of were. And, um, but, you know, so if you are a Spanish speaker, you know, you kind of get a little bit more out of this film, especially in like the second half when we like hear conversations with like Jesse and his grandma, like during like the ritual shit, I really want to know what was going on there, but we don't get to know. So it's kind of like a, a, a cool little extra inside thing, but man, like this, I was think I was like, this was the one I was most excited to rewatch and then it delivered because it's it's lit i love this movie how do you guys like the marked ones uh i see i i think paranormal activity 3 is the best one but my favorite film in the franchise is definitely the marked ones yeah it's it's so unique like i i always call it like paranormal activity chronicle yeah because it kind of the same thing it's in, in a good way like this is a film that, you know, four, like I said, didn't deliver on their tagline of, like, everything's going to be explained. This movie, there isn't a single thing not explained or, or you know what I mean, in the, in this film. Like, you get everything in this movie. And they market it as kind of like a spinoff. But it's not a spinoff. This movie is so important to the whole mythology, I think. And, like, it's cool to see. See, me personally, I didn't grow up in, like, a upper-class family. So the entire series it's kind of hard for me to like relate to some of it because it's like dude i never had a really nice house yeah but i grew up very much like jesse and hector and all these people and marked ones to where it feels again like the first film like i was either these characters or i knew these characters these were my friends growing up you know like i grew up in a time where you know i was i was really into like punk rock and skateboarding and and the school i went to was mostly preps you know and so like I hung out with the Jessies and the Hectors and the Anna, or not the Annas, but uh, Marisol and all those characters. I grew up with them, so it almost feels like returning to my teenage years and getting to like live vicariously through these really cool people and seeing Jesse kind of fall from grace in a lot of ways. Yeah, very much so. Like I said, it's 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 a coming of age like family movie, like very much so. And yeah, a, another angle too of like being this is set in a little like condo complex not even a house this time you know like completely different so yeah I love it what about you Caitlin yeah I agree I love that it's not in like this middle class or upper class house this time I don't think I've ever seen a a haunted house movie not in house like that (laughs) so that was really neat to see 
um, already. This was my first time watching the marked ones, actually, because um, after Ooh. watching the fourth one in theaters, I was sort of done. You were done. I get <laughs> um, it. And I just wanted to love one through three and, and just live in that sort of bubble. But I was I was really surprised, sort of mad at myself for not continuing to watch the franchise because I really liked it. And yeah, sort of just repeating what you guys said that um, I loved I loved um, Jesse and I forget his friend's name. Hector. Um, Hector. Yeah, I just loved I sort of forgot that I was watching <laughs> a horror movie or, or a paranormal activity movie during the first 30 minutes. I was sort of just having fun watching them like mess around with the camera. And I love too once um, once Jesse gets uh, I guess possessed or marked or whatever when he gets those powers. I liked uh, Devon. I like how you said it sort of feels like a superhero movie. Like I liked watching him just enjoy himself. I wish they did more almost with like YouTube, the, how they did the skateboarding yeah. uh, trick and stuff like that. I wish there was more of that because I thought that was really fun and interesting. And yeah, I, I really loved this movie. Yeah, like it's it's just so it, it's so refreshing. Like it's like a like it, it's a very refreshing movie. Like I've seen this one the least amount of times cuz like I I did like the same thing. Like I think it was like after 4 I was like, you know what? This is kind of whatever now and I kind of fell off, but I I didn't wait too long. I saw the marked ones like a a few years like later, or, like a couple years later. And then I was like, whoa! I was like this is so like it's fun like i would say this is like the most like yeah. fun like quote unquote fun one of the series like just because yeah like we get to just hang out with hector and marisol and jesse and they're just doing their thing and like you know just like you know the camera angle to it that they're just being kids and being weird you know is i think like this is like you know that this movie is definitely not perfect it has like some flaws here and there like it's a, it's a little messy ish not not as messy as four because like four is all over the place but like this one yeah it does have some like issues here and there and like it this is the one where you like question like okay why are you filming all of this really you know it is what it is but like you know we just get like fun antics with them like you said like uh the film opens with we he puts like a camera like through he puts the camera like through the vent to see what's going on next door because they keep hearing uh sounds next door and they see naked grandma cult shit going on and we're like okay so we are still in like this paranormal activity world it's just like and we knew that there was like a reach to this coven so it's like okay this is a completely different side of uh you know la or like i mean yeah because i think it was like uh oxnard i think is where this one takes place and um so it's like in a different part of california and it's like okay so there's like reach to this and we just like it, it's all just like yeah very very just like fun and interesting i do love like the skateboarding stuff and like you know we we see his like powers activate it's like um jesse and hector are getting jumped outside after they're playing basketball um this is the one time like the, hector was a total bitch cuz he just like kind of recorded while jesse was getting like his ass kicked until you know, he like flung him off with his Toby powers. And but then but I will say after that, though, Hector redeems himself for the rest of the film because Hector takes over as like the fi Hector and Marisol like take over as the final girls like at the end after Jesse becomes the villain of the film, 
which is also really interesting that they kind of like very much like almost switch protagonists entirely like for like you know the second half of the film where we just see jesse kind of being a dick to everybody and like you know the effects that he's has of uh being marked so that's what um the you know main thing that we're um you know touching on in this one is because again this coven has such big reach so that means there are multiple males out there that have been offered up as you know deals to demons that don't know about it it's like okay yeah we want to figure out what's going on with these other boys that have been affected by by this uh the this witch cult so there there's so much expansion and then just like at the end then they're like oh yeah we're gonna do time travel too because why not we know Christopher Landon obviously loves time travel now, but this was the beginning of that. I, I also think like this is the it has my favorite moment in the entire series just because it's so wacky that every time I watch the Mark ones, I, I can't help but laugh at the fact that five movies in to the Paranormal Activity series, we're seeing a bunch of cholos go after witches with shotguns. like i love that moment so much and i i think richard cabral is such a cool actor anyways and like having him play arturo like and seeing all these like hardcore gangster dudes think that they're gonna go like you know puff their chest at these witches and they just get their asses handed to them like i can't help but laugh every single time oh i mean that is just like literally epic because like everybody always thinks like you know i'm if i'm doing some shit i'm gonna strap up i'm gonna be prepared like okay they are prepared (laughs) like you know i love that i i uh, i kept calling a turo in my notes i just called him conspiracy homie is what i called him because he's the one that has like the mapped out pictures and articles in his uh little in his trap house that he's just like, yeah, this is what's going on, man. Like, there's some weird shit going on around here, and he's he's ready for it, you know. And that's where we kind of get, you know, some more of the background of, you know, what's going on with the cult. And he is the one that has Allie's phone number. And then Allie pops back up into this one. It would have made sense for her to, like, kind of be lingering around in 4, or at least a scene in 4. But then, you know, we, we do get her here in this one. Um, which is, which is, uh, really cool to, again, like, yeah, this is supposed to be a spinoff, but this is, this film is like firmly embedded into the whole story of the Paranormal Activity franchise. I I also think it has the most mind-blowing twist out of the entire series at the end. Like, when the, when the end happens in the, in this film, like, every single time I'm like, what the hell? Even having seen it so many times that it kind of changes the first film in so many ways for me. Like every single thing about the ending of the first film is changed once you see the marked ones. And I I mean that as the highest form of compliment. Like, you know, I I said at the beginning of this episode how I typically don't like when small films try to build this huge mythology because we fell in love with the first film because it was contained. But in this series, the bigger it gets, the kind of more excited I get about it. And I think it has one of the most exciting endings of the entire series. Yeah, I agree. I loved this ending and I was completely shocked. I It took me a second since this is my first time watching it. I was like, this looks, this looks like a very familiar kitchen. And then I was like, oh my God, this is the first one. Um, so exciting, so cool. And I agree, it totally changes it. But I'm still trying to figure out exactly, like, like, can Katie see him? Can Katie, 
Yeah, well, she, yes, because I think it was like a, because I think what it is is like, she, because Katie was sleepwalking, you know, right. so Katie's sleepwalking when this happens, and then, so, so in the grand scheme of things, if anyone listening hasn't seen this film, which maybe you haven't, so the marked one ends, they have time travel introduced in the film, and at the end, when we have, um, cause it's, cause it's Hector that, uh, time travels, he goes in, he's running away from Jesse and then he time travels and he doesn't know where he's at. And then again, yeah, we see the kitchen. We go, wait, I know this kitchen and it is <laughs> PA one. So this is, you know, because this is where they use that, you know, shot from the first one, because it's like all from the the bedroom when we hear all the stuff going on downstairs so it can be anything you know so they take they took advantage of that in the coolest way I like i want to sync them up like the times to see if they like match up the times like i think that would be well, kind of cool but um but yeah so i'm guessing it's like katie because katie was sleepwalking and then maybe when the time travel happened because the time travel happens I mean, I know Toby is a magic demon, but can to- two versions of Toby be present at the same time? Huh. So maybe at that moment it hopped onto Katie because, like, she has a moment where she wakes up and she's just scared that there's a person in their kitchen. That's all she's scared of. And then maybe Toby then overtakes Katie. And then that's when. Okay. Because then her eyes, like, kind of just, like, got big. Yeah. And, like, and then she just starts stabbing. You know, so I yeah. think maybe that's what happened. That's what I'm going okay. with. <laughs> that that sounds about right to me. That's sort of what I was leaning towards. But yeah, I, I was, I don't know. My mind was blown by this ending. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun ending. Like, cause I mean, like, again, like Hector turns into our final girl for the remainder mm-hmm. of uh, the marked one, which is fun. Um, even though. Like, it did kind of suck when Marisol died in the way that she did. And I was like, oh, damn it. And I was like, really? Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, so, like, we have freaking Jesse, you know, lo- doing his demon power shit. And he's just, like, out of control. Um, like, very much is just, like, lost himself completely. And it sucks because, like, he, you know, had did nothing to, to warrant this. You know, it's just, like, because it, 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 it was his mom, I guess. Because mo- his mom was friends with the neighbor who the neighbor's son, who was uh, Oscar, and then Oscar kills her at the beginning of the movie. But she, the neighbor knew Jesse's mom. So it wasn't the grandma this time, it was Jesse's mom. Yeah. This is another paranormal activity, too, where I genuinely cared about the characters quite a bit and that their deaths were felt. And, and also Jesse, just Jesse getting possessed. I was like, oh, man, right after graduation... Yeah, they also uh, had a they had a pretty cool look for him too. Like his like deterioration over time. Like they like just like kind of slightly changed the color of his skin, and you see his like lips are so ridiculously chapped and have that like white shit all over it. Like he just ate powdered donuts. He looked disgusting. And he had the black eyes and he's all veiny. Um, that I really appreciated like them kind of doing that without like going overboard with it. I thought that was uh, really fun. And like every and, and and that we had another possessed person running around the film too. We had Oscar who was also marked, and he's just running around, 
And uh, I love the scene where we get the jump scare of Jesse takes the girl into the crime scene murder apartment to get laid. And then we have the camera while she's waiting for him to get the condom. And then fucking an arm reaches out from a secret latch door. And it's fucking Oscar. He runs out and then somehow runs to the top of the church and then just jumps off onto a car. And it's like, what the fuck? It's it's also a film that I think uh, one of the few cases that I think the director's cut is actually better than the theatrical. Like, there's, there's a lot of scenes that they cut out for the theatrical that are in the director's cut that I think actually helps the story even more. You know, just like day-to-day stuff with the characters, but also this really cool moment where they tried to, like, invoke spirits through a mirror, which is really, it's such a cool sequence that I I love. So I always tend to, like, revisit, I think, the director's cut of this one more than the theatrical. But even the theatrical, I think, is a lot of fun. Yeah, I made sure to watch the uh, director's cut for this one, and if that mirror scene wasn't in it, then that would have meant that, like, because, like, I thought the mirror scene was what, like, uh, opened the time portal. Or at least that's what I thought that was doing, too. So if they, like, didn't include that in the theatrical version, that's then the theatrical version might be confusing. Did you have that in your version, Kayla? That might have been what I watched. Yeah, because for me, he just ran into the room, and then he he found, like, a portal, like, a door, like, a wooden door with, like, sigils or something on the side. And then he walked through it, and that's what took him into the the different time, the 2006 times. Yeah, I guess that door was already there, but I wasn't sure if the mirror ritual had anything to do with it. But yeah, but the mirror ritual scene is just another fun scene. Yeah, that sounds like maybe it would have been more helpful for me to watch that one. You might not miss too much, but it it does just like, yeah, we get a little bit more uh, character stuff. Like, uh, I think the the scene in the the grocery store is like a little bit longer in the director's cut where uh, Jesse like loses it on that dude. Um, but yeah, uh, marked ones is super fun. I feel like there is probably a lot of other people like similar to Caitlin that like probably gave up after four. And if you haven't went back into the series, uh, please watch the marked ones. Like it is, it's really, really good. Like I, I love this film. (laughs) And I also want to give a quick shout out too in, in marked ones, the string coming out of his eyeballs. Cause that was just a viscerally viscerally horrible thing to watch um things in eyeballs i cannot do yeah that was disgusting also shout out to chavo another good another good boy in the paranormal activity franchise little chavo who unfortunately i love him but they fucking killed chavo like that wasn't he's he's torturing chavo on the ceiling uh not even just Chavo, like the scene with the like the grandma, like ouch, like Jesse oh, Fulham throws yeah. his grandma, like Powers throws his grandma downstairs, like how yeah. fucked up is this dude? I love that they didn't show it, but that they like yeah, just like showed the aftermath and him smiling about it and his like creepy ass smile, and they just like see her down at the bottom with the blood coming out. Like I was like, no, or, like, the Exorcist shot. Yeah, I, I wrote that, I, I, I did write that in my notes in caps, because if there's anything I, like, can't handle is, like, old people having, phys- like, getting physically hurt in movies, like, I can't handle that, like, I, I can't. <laughs> she was too powerful against Toby. She was. She was too powerful. Too powerful. Grandma Irma, shout out to her. Uh, just, yeah, another well-rounded cast, well-rounded story all the mythology stuff like again a fifth 
movie in a franchise shouldn't be one of the better ones, but yet they they do it in this one. So shout to Christopher Landon. But now let's finish out the franchise on a bit of a whimper. I wish I had a sad hark button for for transitioning into this one. That would that would have been better. <laughs> because uh, Paranormal Activity, the Ghost Dimension, released in twenty fifteen, is um not great. It's not it's also not bad. It's still like I found it very entertaining. This was my first time watching this one all the way through. I had seen like half of it. Or maybe not even half of it. I've seen like just parts of it at some point. So this was my first time watching this one all the way through. And I'll say it, it's still entertaining. And it has its good parts. Um, uh, you know, side char- the, the side character Mike shouldn't be better than the main protagonist. Uh, the main protagonist, um, the guy that plays Ryan, might have the worst acting of any of the leads in the Paranormal Activity franchise. Like, he's just not very good. Um, and they try to go a little bit too too big with this one. And also, just, like, they had so many places they could have went with it. And just the route that they chose to go was just, like, kind of like, eh? So this one was directed by Gregory Plotkin, who directed Hellfest as of recently, um, pretty solid flick, but he was primarily the editor on the previous films, uh, two through two through five, and uh, so he steps into the director's chair, and then now we have four writers, and not one of them is named Christopher Landon, so we have that. Um, this is, but I will give them credit for restraint. For this is the first visual appearance of Toby. Uh, Toby's big screen debut in uh, the sixth film. I found that kind of interesting. I mean, we kind of see him a little bit in four, but like, you know, still not really. Um, and I also want to shout out in four that Toby, the, the vocal effects and distortion were done by none other than voiceover legend Frank Welker, a.k.a. Fred Jones, a.k.a. the Anaconda in Anaconda. AKA he also does the voice in Scooby Doo of Scooby and Scooby Doo. Uh, Frank Welker is Curious George yeah. and Curious George. He's the goat. Like I, he's Toby also. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but back to uh, PA six, the Ghost Dimension. We have um, this is set in 2013. We have um, and it's set in Julie and Dennis's first place from PA three before they moved um so it's set in their first place just like redone a little bit which is fun we have you know call back to the house and things like that except they like redesigned it like there there's the parts you can tell are the same but also they like kind of like redesigned it and like made it more open which i kind of appreciated like uh they they really use the geography of the house a little bit more in this one which uh which i did find kind of fun so this family moves in and they find a box of tapes and the tapes have, uh, they find one of a bunch of them that were Katie and Christy, except it's like them from 88 to 92. So this is what happened after the events of PA3. He also finds a uh, camera that is all magical now. So I don't get that 
because it's the same camera that Dennis had, but now Toby put some sweet upgrades on it when he was in the meantime at some point. I don't know. So with this, you can kind of see the essence of Toby in the in the thing, and he can see into the ghost dimension, I suppose. They never say ghost dimension one time in this film. They just call it that. Lamest title of the of the series. Um, thoughts on PA6? It's, it's a weird one. And I, I don't <laughs> necessarily mean that in a bad way. Like, I'm super entertained by this movie. But it almost, to me, it doesn't feel that much like a paranormal activity film for me. Like, I, I'm stoked as hell that you get to see everything going on for the first time. Because I think the design of the paranormal activity is really cool. It's almost like that symbiote stuff from the Spider-Man series. You know, like on the walls or like or like a really awesome game, The Darkness. You know, it, it feels very much like that. But that said, like, there's something missing, I think, from this film. Uh, it's entertaining as hell. But at the same time, like, I, I think it this film uh, leaves more leaves you with more questions than answering them. And I think there's been too much time that's passed since 2015 to 2020 for us to really care about the questions that it's left with. And I feel like that's that's the biggest problem with this movie is this was supposed to be this was the final to be, it was supposed to be the final one. You know, this was supposed to solve everything, but it leaves you with more questions. Like I remember in 2015 when I used to write for Blumhouse.com, there was a huge Blumhouse party, a paranormal activity party that where people from every single movie got together just to celebrate the whole series because this was the last one, you know, but you watch this film. And, and that party was great, but like you watch this film and it doesn't feel like a final chapter. It feels like another movie that's setting up a sequel and for it to take five mm-hmm. years for us to get a sequel. I don't feel like they're going to answer any of the questions that this movie uh, placed on the table. Yeah. Like I think it was, it was just like they had so many things they could have been that they could have did. Like, you know, with the way that five kind of reconnected everything, you know, four, you know, went in an odd direction, but there were still plenty of places it could have went. And then they chose to introduce a lot of new stuff. Yeah. Into what is supposed to be the last film of the franchise. Why waste your time adding new stuff with, you know, okay, like they they spent a lot of time like setting up like you know, them communicating through the videos of the, so they're like setting up that the girls like have this other precognitive abilities or something when they were getting brainwashed. One thing that they added that is so unnecessary is this fucking ponytail guy who they didn't even give a name. He's just the man in the videos. But like, why wasn't Grandma Lois the fucking patri- the head bitch of this coven? Why'd they have to bring in some ponytail dude? Like, I was all about the, like, female empowerment of this, uh, this witch coven. There's, not, there's never been a single man. In, and then all of a sudden, this guy is the brainwasher and the, the knows about, you know, uh, Toby and everything and all this stuff. Like what is he a marked one they like i mean i'm just no no <laughs> oh i was just saying yeah i don't get why toby didn't choose ponytail man that's all yeah yeah i mean th- that guy i think his name's kent in the movie uh 
he just looks like he would be a bookseller at Borders or Barnes and Noble. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying like a witch or a coven has a, like a specific look to him, but this guy looks like it, he, he's so out of place in that whole in the whole mythology that it, it kind of it feels weird. Like Lois should have been, I think, the leader of all this whole thing because that's kind of what we got in three. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I was just very. Yeah, he just didn't fit, and it was just a weird thing. Like, he just didn't need to be there, and it was just like, again, why add, try to add another, like, big central character on top of everything else that we already have to work with? Because it's like they still didn't even pull as much from the other films that they could have with what they introduced here. Because it's like, you know, we spend all this time doing the, the camera stuff, but then it's really about getting to the ghost dimension door, which is the time travel, which we've already seen in the marked ones. So what have you really been doing this entire film other than introducing another new subplot that, oh, they also need the blood of the kid that was also born on the same day as Hunter. Since when? S- who? When? That has never been a, a part of the-, the ritual and the deal here that just was thrown in just for the sake of this. I will say, though, Leela mm-hmm. is one of the saving graces of this film because this girl is creepy and mean and a savage. So I will say she is one of the saving graces of this film. But did she even need to be there? Did it need to be about this family? Uh, not really. That, that and it, it feels almost like the antithesis to where the film, the where the series started. Yes, this, the where the first film is kind of a less is more, you know, tension and dread. Whereas this movie, you literally have someone puking acid onto someone else's face. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, this, yeah, this thing, Alien Resurrection. This is fucking Paranormal Activity, whatever number. That and like, I'm sorry, but if you're marketing this as a final film. What the fuck are you doing not having Katie in this whole film? Right. Like, yeah. you know, that's the most important character to this whole series. And it feels such like a disservice to the franchise and everything we've went through with the journey to not even have the main character in the movie at all. Exactly. Yeah. Like there should have been Katie. Hell, they could have wrapped Allie into this somehow, too. Like, this is the final one. Like, in yeah, you, you're going to turn your back on the backbone of this franchise and not have Katie yeah. in. Uh, yeah. yeah. And also what you're saying too, like it's almost like, yeah, this, so this movie is not, you know, it's not a bad watch. I had fun watching it, but um, yeah, it felt almost like it didn't understand the franchise it was in, in a lot of ways, like not including Katie doing this, turning away from this less is more thing and, and instead opting for, yeah, the, the CGI effects and letting us letting us see Toby a little bit. And and also, apparently, when it was released in theaters, it was meant to be like a 3D film. Oh, so God. while I was watching this at home, I was sort of thinking about that because I know that like there were a lot of things being thrown at the camera and rushing towards the camera. So I wondered how much I mean it can it couldn't have changed the movie that much but again it's another one of these things where it's moving from paranormal activity one that's so much about like it's gonna show you a tiny little bit of powder on the floor with a little bit of hoof print here um now to cgi and 3d and all this other crazy stuff yeah like we get a full toby tornado with ghost face 
coming out and stuff. And then like, because I liked I liked the 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 dark sludgy Toby. I thought that was cool. That was creepy. But then we got like scary face Toby a few times of just like that, and it was like, okay, we don't need that. But then we do get also like just the legs of like human Toby after the ritual is complete. And we just get human Toby, like he like kills one person, but then he takes uh, Leela at the end. And uh, I mean, that's creepy. I will give him that. I'll also uh, meant to shout out that, hey, this is the Christmas movie of the series. Ho, 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 it's Santoby Claus coming down your chimney to possess your kids. <laughs> like uh this one is set in december of um and they have they they have the big old christmas tree um there's also a, a, one of the four writers of this film has obviously some issues with christianity and uh and christmas and he had some things to say i don't know there was a lot of that going on i mean i'm not a christmas fan but there was also just like odd like anti-christmas themes floating around haunting this film I don't know but it's like and then we also didn't even we didn't get actual hunter until like later into the film but he's like name dropped a couple times uh they also name dropped the name of the coven they go by the midwives I couldn't remember if they name dropped them in one of the other films but they are officially the midwives I forgot about that but it seems like on the nose that title they like they couldn't come up with something a little more ambitious yeah like it could have like, been so- like the daughters of toby or some shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's already a lot better i couldn't describe if it was too corny or if it was like kind of hard just like the midwives like i don't know that that it is kind of just like you know like but at the same time yeah it's a little on the nose that they are the midwives for bringing evil tobies into the world and but then it's like also like reducing them to midwives, you know, because again, we learn of fucking ponytail Kent or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't know. But there is to, to not just rain on this movie's parade completely. There are uh, some very fun scare sequences for sure. Um, uh, the scene where I thought Leela was going to burn the house down. I thought that was awesome because I really wanted her to. <laughs> um, uh, some of the just like lingering shots of Toby just like kind of watching. And then like even when Toby's there and like uh, the mom doesn't know that Toby's there and she's just like walking through him and stuff. And like, uh, you know, that whole thing is is a uh, pretty, pretty creepy. But yeah, they, they do a lot of name dropping in this film, but they don't like finish a lot of things again i wonder if this is like another example of like maybe they had more plans for because they were talking about like uh katie killing a family in nevada or something and like some other shit like that so i was like maybe they did have more plans but it could have been a scheduling thing or a contract thing or or yeah or they just like didn't ask but uh all the all the loose writing threads can be atoned to no christopher landon yeah, I really feel like Landon is kind of the the focal point of the mid, you know, like two, three, four, and Mark ones. Like, I think he made the series really make sense. He took a really great first film and built on the mythology 
in his own way to where it became something special. And I feel like not having him on the ghost dimension really made the movie suffer a little bit. It's still entertaining as hell, I think. But I think compared to how strong the rest of the series is, it, it's lacking a bit. Yeah. Especially in the the way he writes characters. I feel like I was missing that quite a bit in this one. Yeah. I mean, they even had the opportunity to, like, I thought they were, you know, they kind of set it up like they're going to do something interesting character-wise. Like, oh, hey, they have the, the brother that's going through a breakup come live with the family on vacation. And the other, uh, the feng shui gal is there. They could have gave her a better job, but whatever. And, um, but yeah, I was like, okay, but with like the brother and I thought like, you know, having two brothers, two sisters, oh, what are they going to do with this? Are they marked also? But you know, like they, like that is in front of them that they could have used. Like there's, there was a lot of things that they just could have did. And then they, what they chose to do is, eh, it just, yeah, just it, not a lot of it made sense. Um, the to to end it on a high note i will say uh again is um leela is the highlight of this film there's um the the scene where she's like floating to the ceiling that's like real creepy she attacks father todd by biting him in the face uh the scene where she's like fucking the mom keeps coming in she goes hey i want you to come out of the room she goes no i'm fine here and then the mom's like no come out of the room she goes I'm fine here. And then a third time she goes, mommy, I said, I'm fine here. And I was just like, Oh God. Like she is creepy. And she also has a line. I am the bringing of he that she says in the most, just like evil delivery. So uh shout out to Leela alone for making this more entertaining film for me. She's the best part. Yeah. I agree with that for hundred percent. Yeah. Same. Yeah. So it, it kind of sucks that the, the franchise ends on a whimper, you know. We But, again, now they they are talking that it is in the works. Christopher Landon, he's on a hot streak. I'm sure they're going to literally let him do whatever the fuck he wants with it. So I have a feeling we'll get, like, you know, callback characters, I'm hoping, you know, like whether it be Allie and, of course, we got to have Katie and... You know, there's they they they're gonna wrap it up, and I'm like so like ha- I'm very excited on like what could happen, and that they like gave it a little time to breathe. People uh, were over found footage, you know, so it's like people there's not nearly as many found footage films that like come out anymore. So we're kind of coming a background to that. So you know, I remain optimistic for the franchise because as a whole, I mean, it has four four great or four really good films you know and then even the two that aren't as good are still are still kind of you know have their entertainment value so to close it out we're gonna go ahead and rank our uh our the paranormal activity films so from from least to from least to best caitlin what is your ranking of the franchise? Ooh, okay. Because I've been like reorganizing this in my head <laughs> all while rewatching these. Um, okay, I'm going to put the marked ones at the bottom, um, followed by four. This is where it gets hard. Um, the I'm going to then two, then marked ones. Uh, oh, I'm so going to stick meant- with my original order. I'll go then three and then one. 
So you meant Ghost Dimension at the bottom. You said marked once twice. Oh, whoops. Yes, I meant Ghost Dimension at the bottom. Yes. So yeah, yeah, definitely not marked once. So your top is three, though, now? Or is it one? No, I'm, I'm going I'm gonna to say, so from the top one, then three, uh, then what did I have? Then I had uh, marked ones, then two, then four, then Ghost Dimension. Okay. Okay, I got gotcha. you. I'm with you. There we you. go. <laughs> and uh, Jerry, what are what are your rankings? Okay, let's see. From the bottom, I I'd say four, uh, Ghost Dimension, two, one, March ones, and three. Okay. Okay. You guys aren't off by too much, and I mean mine's not off by too much either, but mine's a a little different as well. Um, so I have from at the bottom, I have ghost dimension and fit at the fifth, second to last. I do have the first one. Okay. Is the first, because is, is four a better film than one? No, it's more, if I'm going to watch one of them though, if I'm going to put one on randomly between four and one, I'm going to put four on. And because I think one functions better with two. If one and two, if I like viewed them as the same film, it would go up a little bit. But because I think one is enhanced by two a little bit because like it does still feel like Katie's film as almost as much as Christie's. So for one, just for how minimalist it was and like, you know, it is I will. It's not bad, though. Obviously, it's not. But it's down there a little bit. Um, like I said, I put four above it because I just find it a little bit more entertaining, even though it is a fucking mess, but it's just more entertaining at, uh, then I have number two and then between three and the marked ones, like I said, three is the better film and I'll rank that number one, but number two marked ones is right on its heels because I love it a lot. Like, and it is almost, like, more just, like, my style, too. But as a objectively better film, I'd say three. So, I have three marked ones, PA2, PA4, PA1, and Ghost Dimension down at the bottom. So, we can all agree that three is the best and Ghost Dimension sucks is where we're at. I'm good with that. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say that's fair. That's fair, but it is a, uh, this, this franchise is a perplexing one, and um, I absolutely uh, loved doing it in marathon form. This was the first time that I, I watched all six of them on Friday the 13th. That was my Friday the 13th marathoning um, instead of spending it with Mr. Voorhees, but um, watching them all six in a row, the, the overarching story does play out just like so well minus the ghost dimension it kind of makes the disappointment hit a little bit more because if i hadn't watched all the other ones maybe i wouldn't dislike ghost dimension as much as i did but you know it is what it is but thank you so much to my two guests for joining on this uh paranormal conquest through the pa universe and uh making sense of it all and um you know giving it that uh that second look back that it like actually deserved now that the hype is kind of 
dissipated from it. So thank you so much to uh, Caitlin Duffy and Jerry Smith for joining us. Uh, Caitlin, what are you working on right now and what would you like to plug? Yeah, well, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. This was my first time marathoning my way through the Paranormal Activity franchise. So thanks for giving me the excuse to do that and and then talking about it. This was a lot of fun. Um, what can I plug? Um, I mean, right now I'm working on my dissertation, so I can't really plug that. <laughs> but I am on two podcasts. I'm on Night of the Living Academic, and I'm also on Of Gods and Monsters. For Of Gods and Monsters, we're on our off-season right now, but we'll be back in January. Hell yeah, super excited um, to dive back into that one. We love the Something Ghoulish fam around here. And uh, yeah. Jerry, what are you working on right now? Uh, I have an insane amount of stuff coming to Dread Central and some other sites, uh, including uh, Council of Zoom, which is a new site that just launched. Uh, They've been really cool enough to let me write a few things for them. Uh, Other than that, uh, my podcast, Pod and the Pendulum, still going. Uh, Basically, we tackle franchise horror, like one episode for every sequel, uh, which can be great, but it can also be really bad because there's some bad franchises out there, too. Uh, but the one thing that I'm I'm super proud of is I just released a new EP. Uh, I make like instrumental, like synth-based f- uh, music for like short films and features. I, I compose on my on the side. I just released a new EP. Uh, you can look at it. Rainy days for ghosts uh, on Bandcamp. Uh, yeah, I'm super stoked on that. But yeah, I have a lot of writing coming out in the next week or two. Hell yeah, uh, audience, I will put that all in the description, of course, links to everything, and make sure you go and follow them and show them some love on the social medias. Um, that was an absolutely fantastic episode, and the new longest episode of BBCC as well. So the last thing that I will close you guys out with is, one, do not use Ouija boards. Ouija boards are always bad news. Two, if your kid is talking to an imaginary friend, also, move, do what you gotta do. And three... Make sure you go onto iTunes and leave the podcast a five-star review because I would love that. That is going to go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club. Make sure you tune in next Tuesday. We are finishing out Found Footage Month with the horror queers Joe and Trace to talk the Poughkeepsie tapes. So make sure you are following me on social media at underscore daddy disco. And until next time, guys, stay lifted. <laughs>